Welcome to The Collective. The Collective is a storytelling podcast interviewing hairstylists and makeup artists. These artists are going to share their stories and their journeys with us. On today's episode, our first episode, we have Tiffany Lumpkin joining us. Tiffany is an agency-represented hairstylist and makeup artist, as well as a member of IOTSE Local 798. Hey, Tiff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me. Girl, I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, we're excited to have you on as our first interview with The Collective. And it's so important to have people like you that people can, you know, listen to their stories and see where you're at now, where you've come from and where you're going. So thank you again for joining us. So I want to kick the podcast off, first interviewee, by asking you, who is Tiffany Lumpkin? Wow. Um... That's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) um, I don't think you're asked this question every single day, but I think it's important to kind of sit back and reflect. Um, And if I had to describe myself in a formal capacity, of course, it would be I'm a hair and makeup artist. I focus in TV and film and production and commercials. Um, And I've been labeled a beauty expert in the past and even presently. Um, But as far as who I am, I would say I'm kind. Um, I'm positive. I sound like that movie, um, The Help. <laughs> I is kind. I is smart. <laughs> I'm fearless. Um, I like to be present most times. Um, I'm sarcastic. I'm very impatient. And um, I'm usually hungry most times. <laughs> hungry as in a food sense or hungry for education and excellence. I think both, right? That's an <laughs> amazing segue because I'm usually physically hungry. And then spiritually, um, I'm always wanting more and I'm always wanting to, you know, learn more and educate myself um, from people, from topics, from books, from I love documentaries. I'm always hungry for more and hungry for knowledge. And that's why I love the platform that you've created because I think so many people who are also hungry are going to be able to use the Collective Pro as an amazing resource in the industry. We want to hear from you what your story is. Yeah, so I guess I can kind of begin of like how I kind of got started in the industry. Um, I went to school. My formal education is in biology. I got my biology degree from Hampton University, and I studied biotechnology at Johns Hopkins University. Um, so I've studied science majority of my um, formal education. But while I was in school in dorm rooms, I'm similar to so many of us. I was doing hair and makeup on the side for most of the students at the school and my friends. And we would go out, get cute. And I was the one that people came to to get their hair and makeup done. So that's kind of how I got my start. So during your time in the dorm rooms and doing makeup in college, did you feel like that time helped you to grow in any any certain way that kind of gotten you where you are today? Oh, for sure. I think any experience that you gain is valuable experience. And um, just to note, while I was doing hair and makeup in the dorm rooms, I was also a front desk receptionist at a local salon. So once people would get their hair and makeup done, it was my job to check them out. And then the owner of the salon would push me to sell the products. So some of the products that we had, of course, was makeup. So I would sell them their lipstick and eyeshadow. And I would actually do makeovers for them after they got their hair done. So that experience, um, the diversity. So I had all the young girls at college, but then I had the nice mature career women in the salon. So that whole, you know, time in my career, I was exposed to different ages, different races, different face structures, eyes, lips, noses. Um, So yeah, that experience gave me a world of knowledge to just knowing how to do different types of women's hair and makeup. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it, retail experience in itself, working at a beauty counter, no matter what the brand is, I think it's amazing. Um, just like you said, different face shapes, different eye shapes. I think it's honestly one of the best experiences you can have as a makeup artist. Oh, for sure. And I think so many people like downplay it. And when you ask makeup artists like their story or their journey, it's no, that, that's not a portion of our career that we should be ashamed to talk about. Because there's people working at the counter as you and I are talking and they, you know, they look at our Instagram and they think that if you go to my Instagram right now, you're not going to see me being a front desk receptionist or doing the hair and makeup in the dorm room. Everything has its genesis. And I think it's important to highlight 
because that was a very important time in both of our and so many of our career and that's where it starts it doesn't start at the you know on set lights camera action it doesn't start there it starts years and years before that and for me that's where it started so going from that Tiffany that was at the beauty counter and working at the salon in college how did we get from that Tiffany to today's Tiffany Oh, God. So that was probably around 2012. So (laughs) I had a life-changing event. Um, I just ended this toxic relationship. And, Brooke, I just started to reevaluate everything. So (laughs) I decided to leave medical school um, that fall. So I didn't return the following January. And I was like, you know what? I don't love science Um, I like it. I'm good at it, but I don't love it. If I'm going to spend the next 30 years of my life doing something, I need to be passionate about it. And that's when I decided to do hair and makeup. That's awesome. So I feel like for most of us as creative types and artists, our heart has to be in whatever it is we're doing. So it's such a vital, vital thing to make sure that your, that your heart is happy. Right. Because I don't think if, if you're not passionate about what you do, I mean, let's be honest, who wants a doctor that doesn't want to be there. Like nobody. I don't. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine if I was somebody's doctor today? You know, I kind of liked it. And that's no shade to anyone in the medical profession. But whatever you decide to do, whatever career you choose, you have to be passionate about it. That's my goal for everyone. Because that's what makes you, you know, do the job so well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, too, is that a lot of times passion helps create happiness. It's almost right. like passion is happiness in a sense. So you you left college and did you have a plan when you didn't go back that semester? Did you say, um, this is what I'm going to do X, Y, and Z? What happened then? So the funny thing about me, you know this, you know, we've known each other for years, but I've always been task oriented. So if I have a goal, I will listen. I get this from my mother. She's a project manager and has been for many years. Um, Once I have a goal, I will outline steps one through 10 to get there. So I definitely had a plan. I had a goal. Me dropping out of medical school wasn't just something that I woke up and decided to do. It was something that I planned. There was some strategy behind it. And yeah, the first step I did was I started to get my portfolio together. As we all know, getting your portfolio together is not super easy. So how did you go from from leaving medical school to achieving a portfolio? Yeah, so... Um, just to back up, while I was in um, school, of course, I was working at the salon, but I was also taking private clients. And many of my private clients included um, brides and brides-to-be. So I was running a bridal business. I had private clients, um, but it still wasn't enough income. And of course, I needed to build my portfolio. So I was on this search for photographers, and I came across this amazing photographer by the name of Cedric Terrell. And he's a good friend till this day. Um, and Cedric is kind of the, I would say the beginning of where my career started as far as professionally and cre- creating a professional portfolio started with Cedric. A lot of our audience might not know who Cedric is and, and I know him from you and his work is phenomenal. Um, but how did you and Cedric start working together? How did y'all meet? Oh my God. There was this lovely thing. It was kind of like Facebook slash LinkedIn. It was like the MySpace of like the industry. You remember Model Mayhem? I do remember Model Mayhem. Girl, Model Mayhem was the best and the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Um, After any rising artist, um, you know, you have to remember, like, we come from a digital age. I didn't start doing makeup in the 80s or 90s. I started doing makeup in the 2000s. So a lot of the resources that we use to launch our careers was through the internet. Right. So for those of you who don't know Model Mayhem, um, Model Mayhem was kind of like a social media platform that kind of partnered hair cells, makeup artists, um, photographers, fashion stylists. It was kind of like a database and you could connect to each other through it and create photo shoots, you know, schedule things together, different events, whatever somebody was looking for the other one for. Um, And there were, every now and then you could find some amazing models and amazing photographers, but there, for every amazing person that was out there, there was also a little bit of sketch going on with model (laughs) mayhem (laughs) as well. But it was a a great resource. And actually today, um, a photographer that I worked with up in Virginia, 
he posted on his Instagram story how Instagram was becoming the new model mayhem. He just posted that today. I think, I, I think it is. And it's funny because, I mean, everyone has their journey. And for us, what Instagram has done for people, that's what model mayhem did for myself. And that's how me and Cedric connected. So, um, yeah, we connected through model mayhem. He was looking for a makeup artist. I was looking for a photographer to start to build my portfolio. And then the rest is history. That's how we connected. That's awesome. So you started building your portfolio, working on some bridal work. And then where'd you go from there? So at this point in my career, I still wasn't financially um, comfortable. So I, I had a thousand and one jobs. And one of my other jobs was, of course, I had the bridal business. I had working with Cedric. He had a few headshot clients that we would have in Washington, D.C. And the third way that I made income back then was I met an amazing friend um, till this day, one of my very good friends by the name of um, Addie. And Addie is the owner of a hair extension company at the time called Galaxy 5000. Um, she hired me on the team to kind of be her second hand and help with inventory, help with customer service, help with budgeting. Um, she would fly out of the country to go, you know, source the hair. And meanwhile, I'm back in Maryland just running the company and helping her manage things. Um, it's making a couple hundred dollars a week. But that's kind of how I got by. Um, this did not all happen overnight. And I want people to understand that it's definitely been a journey. So between the bridal business, working with Cedric, and then working with the hair extension company, that's kind of how I got my start in kind of managing before I became a full-time makeup artist. That's what I was doing. At what point did you decide, okay, I've got all of these different avenues going on. Now it's time for me to become a full-time makeup artist. Well, yeah, I mean, there was this book that I got at the time. It was um, by Crystal Wright. And do you remember that book? I do. I have my original Crystal Wright book is um, somewhat tattered looking. It's like the, co <laughs> the cover, the back cover is off of it. All my pages are just worn and torn. And I had it, I've had that copy for years. Um, but as a wrap gift recently on the act I was given by my department head, um, she knew how much I loved that book. And wow. so on the act, that was actually one of my wrap gifts from her was one of her new, was one of Crystal's new additions. That's amazing. Bro. I know. I love, I love Crystal Wright's book. Yeah. So that's, I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, it's an amazing resource. And in the book she discusses as a hair and makeup artist or any beauty professional, Brooke, you know this, there are so many different avenues that you can take in this industry. Um, and from that book, I was, okay, are we going to do editorial? Are we going to do fashion? Are we going to do bridal? Are we going to do commercial, featured films, episodic, network TV? Like, you know, this industry, that it's such a vast world of how many options you can have as far as your concentration. And in that book, it's where I kind of understood, okay, hey, I can actually do this as a career. Like, this is something that you know, I could do for a living. So Crystal's book being the amazing resource that it was, it, it kind of helped you discover that point that you were like, okay, it's time. I can do this full time. This is the direction that I'm going in. Exactly. And then being task oriented type of person that I am, I was like, okay, this is the plan. If I want to do this full time, the same amount of motivation and dedication that I had in my medical career, I need to apply that to being a beauty professional. And that's what I told myself. You're doing all the research. You're doing the legwork. Did you decide which direction you're going? Did you decide, I'm going to go towards editorial. I'm going to stick with bridal. I'm going to do editorial and bridal. I'm going to go more film and TV. Did you have like a long-term makeup goal in mind? Long-term, to be honest, no. At that point, I'm like, okay, I need to pay some bills. <laughs> Whichever <laughs> one of these pops off first, that's what we'll do. Um, so around 2014 is when... I did my first New York Fashions Week, um, my Mercedes-Benz New York Fashion Week. And that was the first um, experience that I had with Runway. And then soon after that, I got my first editorial feature in Ebony Magazine. And then soon after that is when I met my amazing mentor, Elena George, who was a phenomenal celebrity, just an OG in the game. And she's kind of what gave me my start in network television. So having a mentor like Elena, who's amazing, um, what all did she, as far as, because a lot of people have different, different opinions of what a mentor is, and there are different types of mentors out there. There's mentors that we just look 
we've looked towards and we, you know, we know their bio, we know their work and we strive to one day be like them. And then there are mentors that hold our hand um, through the way or give us a little push or a nudge whenever we need. Where would you say Elena was with this? So, yeah. um, So I met Elena. I had been researching her. Um, She actually worked um, closely with Kevin Aquan. Um, So he would do makeup and she would do the hair. And Elena, you know, she grew up in the Tri-City area of like New York, Jersey area. And she went to school with salt and pepper. Um, She had been on the road with Mariah Carey. Um, She did makeup for Aretha Franklin, Vivica A. Fox, Vanessa Williams, Mariah Carey. Um, She was somebody that I looked up to for so long. I reached out to her using social media, Instagram. And again, we're living in this digital age that everyone is so accessible. And I got the opportunity to meet her in person at a trade show that I was doing for Galaxy 5000, the hair show. Um, So picture this. I'm at the hair show, the IBS International Show in New York City. And this beautiful woman walks up and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Elena. The first thing she says to me is, hey, you're Tiffany Lumpkin. And she recognized me, not because we've met before, but because of Instagram and social media. She recognized me. Wow. It's a true testament to the the positive things that social media can do for us, those connections that social media can aid in us finding and making. Absolutely. And I think it's it's our responsibility to, you know, as human beings, it's our natural instinct to whatever resource that we have, however you use that tool is how it's going to benefit you. So I think social media sometimes gets a bad rep, but Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, um, if it wasn't for Facebook, I don't even know if I would have got the opportunity at CNN. CNN posted the job on Facebook. So the world is evolving. The world is changing. And sometimes, you know, I understand that social media and technology is not always used for the good. Oftentimes, social media can be used for good. I agree. And I also think that a lot of times the good outweighs the bad on what social media can do. That platform that it provides so many of us. So having Elena as a mentor, is she the one that really opened your eyes to what it's like to work in network TV? Absolutely. So she invited me. I met her at the trade show on a Saturday. It was May of probably 2015. That Monday, she said, you know, you should come with me to Good Morning America. Um, I'm up every morning. Like it was super early, Brooke. (laughs) So she was like, you should come with me and shadow me on Monday and Tuesday. And those two days changed the course of my career forever. For those of you who may not have worked in network TV or you may not know what the hours look like for network TV, when Tiff says that it was going to be really early, what time was it? Like 3 a.m.? I think I had to be at Times Square because the Good Morning America Center is in Times Square. I think I had to be at New York. I want to say 3 o'clock, 3.30. So you're talking like 3.30 a.m. in New York City. Yep. But you're going to Shadow, which is an amazing opportunity and is not actually common at all in network TV to be able to have someone come in and shadow you for the day at work is a little difficult to do. Yeah. Even to this day, you know, from experience, um, I've had several people that, you know, they may want to come on set with me or they want to shadow you for a day. But a lot of these networks and even if you're on set filming a movie, it's a very closed gate as far as who goes past that line. And the fact that she was so giving of her time and her space and even ABC was so giving of their time and their space to have this little girl off the street come in and shadow Elena. It was one of the best gifts that she's ever given me. What did your shadowing look like that day? Did you, were y'all at one network? Because a lot of the artists who work in network TV work at multiple networks in a day. Were y'all hopping around to different networks or did y'all stay at ABC for Good Morning America? And that was kind of it. How'd your day? Yeah. Yeah, so this is a time, so Elena had been on road for years and years, but, you know, she's been at ABC now for over 15 years, maybe 16 years now. Um, so she was kind of an artist that was seasoned, and she just wanted to stay put and get a break. But what she did teach me that day is, so in the morning, we went from ABC, then we went to 2020, and then we went to go see a private client. So at that point in her career, she's a freelance artist. So we went from different networks. But one thing that I learned from Elena is not only is she an artist, she has a producer's mind frame. So one of the 
best thing she's ever taught me is you have to go behind the scenes and the production value of a makeup artist and knowing what the monitor looks like, knowing what the lights looks like. For every network that we went into, she would take me into the control room to look at the monitor, to look at the lights, to talk to the producers and to really value that and having that as a skill as a hair and makeup artist in TV and film. That experience right there, when you were shadowing her, I'm I'm sure that that experience, you've used it even today. Oh, absolutely. Because I think a lot of us, we do the hair and makeup and that's where the job starts, right? But mm-hmm. no, that's not where it starts. That's not where it stops rather at all. If the talent is, you know, that's your baby at that point. For the next 30, 45, whatever time it is, the duration of when that talent is on camera that's your work, that's your piece of art. And it's your responsibility to make sure um, that it looks great and to maintain that look. So from that point in your life, you've, you know, you've already had this vast background of, um, you know, headshots, photo shoots, bridal, you've worked at trade shows, and now you're shadowing behind the scenes um, for two major networks in our nation, or international rather, networks. So where do you go from here? Um, Funny enough, I think it's all about who you know. It really, really is. So I come back to D.C. after that weekend. And I would say a couple weeks later, Cedric, the photographer that I was referring to earlier, he sends me an email with a link from Facebook that CNN was hiring for freelance positions for hair and makeup. That's amazing. So this is where those relationships that you build organically start to help you develop just different avenues in your life. Exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because this is, this is kind of where you and I, our intersection kind of comes. So this is probably the summer of 2015 and we're both going to this amazing audition at CNN. It's my first job in network television. I think it's your first job in network television. Mm-hmm. And long story short, we ended up getting hired and you've been a part of my life since then and forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where we and I, <laughs> I still remember the election that year. And Tiffany and I spent a lot of overnights um, together working a overnights. lot, a <laughs> and, lot of overnights. And that's where we really, we really hit it off. We were um, in the trenches together. Right. Those, those overnights. So kind of digging into that interview at CNN, do you want to talk about like, what does the, um, what does the process look like to get into network TV? Like what is the interview or rather the audition process? Yeah, I think, I mean, full disclosure, I wish I would have had this conversation on a podcast the day I <laughs> right. went for the audition. Don't we they all? Don't, they don't tell you much. It's like, okay, listen, the only thing that you're given is you have to know how to do hair and makeup and a blowout, not just a style, but a blowout in less than one hour. So you have to get one person ready with no help from anyone, um, you know, kind of damp hair, starting from fresh, clean skin in just under 60 minutes. Um, and from there, you're required to not only do the hair, like I said, you have to know how to do a blowout with a round brush. You have to know your airbrush techniques. You have to apply lashes. And they want that person to look camera ready in 60 minutes. And Julie, our manager at the time, I had a phone interview. I had about four weeks to teach myself how to do a blowout, Brooke. It was insane. I was like, have I ever touched a blow dryer before? Of course I have. But did I know how to professionally give a proper blowout in less than like 30 minutes? Absolutely not. So within those four weeks, from the time I had my phone interview to the time I had my in-person audition, I taught myself how to do a blowout. So you had to kind of hone those skills and polish those skills up for that interview. Exactly. Um, real life situation. How long do you have to get that person TV ready? Oh God. So that's a, Brooke, that's probably the best point you made this whole entire conversation. <laughs> so listen, the audition is 60 minutes, but in a real life scenario, you only have 30 minutes. Now, to be honest, typically when you're working in network television, you have, it's two people on one talent. So one person is doing hair, the other person's doing makeup. But you know, one of the challenges, if you're doing makeup, you better know that that person's pulling the person's hair. So the hairstylist is doing the hair while you're doing makeup. It's kind of like you're playing the cha-cha. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like you're doing this dance. Like while the person's picking up the hairspray, you know you can then put on lipstick. There's this coordination of knowing how to be a team player and 
yeah, it's the audition is nothing like actually working day to day at network television. It's so interesting. And just for the record, there have been instances where Tiff and I both may have had, <laughs> I don't know, um, I don't know, 10 minutes to get somebody ready to go on camera. And of course, in a time frame when you've only got 10 minutes, you're, there's a couple things they may or may not get on their face. Um, oh, for sure. But there are a lot of times more than not that we don't have 25 minutes to get somebody camera ready. So it's really interesting. And you, to be able to work for network TV, you have to know how to work fast. So you've got to still get the job done in such a short amount of time. Right. And I think that's the challenge that um, when these companies, when these network television shows, I would even say within episodic and feature films, knowing how to do the work efficiently with speed and time management, but then also the final result looking amazing. There's a lot of amazing hairstylists out there and makeup artists, but to do it fast, I think that's a skill that we've all kind of gained throughout the years working in TV. Right. So being able to do it fast and being able to do both too, because sometimes you, you're not always doing just makeup and sometimes you're doing hair more than you're doing makeup and, and vice versa. So working in the network, working in the network TV world, um, is that, is that all you do? Did you, did you feel like there were more growth opportunities outside of that or additional opportunities outside of that? Where did Tiffany go from, okay, now I'm working at CNN. Yeah. So one of the great things, um, that happened to us is we got an opportunity to apply to be a full-time staff position. So I'm a freelancer at CNN, but that's not guaranteed hours. That's just a few hours a week and it's still not paying the bills. Um, but we got an opportunity to two full-time positions opened up and we ended up applying and <laughs> neither one of us got the job. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did not. And not because we weren't qualified because, um, you know, Julie at the time, she told us, she's like, listen, there were so many great candidates. Um, but Brooke, that was the best thing that I think, and I'll speak for both of us, that never happened for us. Because from there, if we would have gotten that full-time position, I wouldn't, I know for a fact, I wouldn't have been able to work at all the many networks that I've been able to work at over the years and build all the relationships across so many different companies. Because if you were to take the full-time position at CNN, you're in an exclusive contract and you don't have the liberty to work at any other network that's a competitor in the city. And it kind of limits you to what you can do. Yeah, of course you have, you know, security of benefits, financially, everything's stable. But I think the amount of networks and connections and the people that I've met along the way have been way more valuable. And I think it's been a key to my success is my network and my circle is so large because I was not offered the job as a full-time artist at CNN. Right. So going the freelance versus the staff route was the best choice for you during that time. Frame. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because sometimes what you want so bad, what you think you want, God is like, no, 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 no. Like I got something better. And you have to have faith and know that not everything is for you, but what is for you is for you. Mm. One of my favorite quotes that Tiffany and I use together quite often is what is for you is for you. So that quote that we use quite often, that has been something that's been difficult for me to learn throughout my journey and throughout my career. How do you feel? I mean, do you feel like you've always felt that way? I think so. Um, I think you're challenged with it more often than not. It's like, oh, you think you believe it, but like, wait till such and such happens. <laughs> and I, <laughs> it's like, oh, you thought you believed that? Okay, cool. Because anytime you, you believe in something so strong, it's going to be challenged. And there's been times in my life, not just my career, but my life that, you know, those words have been challenged and I believe them. I believe them in my heart, but God's going to challenge you to really, you know, see if you really do believe those words that are kind of coming out of your mouth. But yeah, I've always kind of operated in what's for me is for me. And, you know, if something didn't give me joy in the first place, I can't allow it to take it away. And if you kind of know where your true joy lies, which is your family, your loved ones, your friends, anything that happens in a professional capacity, those things are just trivial. They don't really matter. But yeah, not getting that job as a full-time um, position was probably one of the most devastating things in my life. Because at that time in my life, I just wanted security. 
I left an amazing career in medicine and I just wanted something that was going to be stable. And I was just looking for just some, some change as I got, I'm broke. I need some money. Like, and I think that I thought at the time that that was going to be the door that was going to be open for me and giving me some more stability financially, but God had some other plans. Thank you so much, Tiff. We're going to take a break for just a moment. So we're back. Tiff, right before we left just a few minutes ago, we were talking about what's for me is is for me or what's for you is for you and how you've kind of always lived by that mantra. And we also have kind of gone through, you know, school, leaving school, working with photographers, bridal, working at trade shows, meeting your mentor, getting into network TV. So knowing that that mantra has kind of been with you throughout your journey, is there any time that it was any time that you really, that sticks out to you, that really, really challenged that belief and what's for you is for you? Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> I think I've been challenged many times along the process. And I mean, we don't, I don't talk about the time where Adelicia, the owner of the hair extension company, you know, loaned me her car. Um, at the time I was evicted out of my apartment and she gave me her spare bedroom. We don't talk about those times because, you know, those are our wounds and those are our scars. But those are the things that behind every phenomenal woman is a hell of a story. And I don't want people to, you you go on Instagram and you see all the highlights, but I'm not going to have a selfie of me sleeping (laughs) in her spare bedroom or having my car totaled and being evicted because I don't have income. And those are the things that I think it's important to kind of highlight. And I think those are the things that inspire people. Cause there's somebody going through that right now. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, those, that's a part of the, you know, the authenticity and, and really kind of like the meat to your story is those challenges that you had to face along the way to getting to the point that you're at now. Exactly. And then even going back to even more challenges, I lost my father at the age of 14. That's not a challenge that you'll see <laughs> in my professional biography. Those are, there's times in your life where you'll have to decide, okay, this is a circumstance. What am I going to do with it? And from there, you can either, there's two routes. There's fear and then there's faith. And I've decided, fortunately, to God be the glory that every time I've been kind of dealt lemons, I've decided to operate in faith and not fear. Thank you for sharing those experiences. I feel like without those experiences, you obviously wouldn't be who you are today, but those are the experiences that really drive us. You know, so losing your dad at 14, that's made you want to be even more successful on a daily basis. That has motivated you and has built that drive in you that he instilled when you were young. So you've used, you've utilized all these experiences, you've done network TV, and then, and then what'd you do next? Because I know your story, but not everybody does. So tell us what happened with TIFF after CNN? Well, Tiff, listen, Tiff's life was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I went through all of the struggle and the hurt and the pain and the breakups and, you know, leaving a career that was comfortable to now. It's probably around 2015. I'm at CNN. I'm I'm at NBC. I'm at China TV. I'm I'm all over the city. And my freelance business is on and popping. (laughs) So you're living the dream. And is that what you've been doing for the past couple of years? Yeah. So um, from there, um, there's even been more growth and more progression in the career. So I could have decided to, you know, stay in network TV, but full disclosure, because of you, because of Brooklyn Smith, um, the next step that kind of came for me next was joining the union. So at what point, because I know that you're a local 798 union makeup artist. So at what point after getting on with CNN, did you decide that it was now time to apply to be in the union? Yeah. So, I mean, you and I both know if you want to pursue a career in motion pictures and episodic and do, you know, do stuff for Hollywood's all in, you have to be in the union. And that tiny card kind of gives you access to so many other jobs that you wouldn't have. Um, One of the great things about working in network television is you start to gain your hours. So working in the union, I mean, I mean, why did you join the union? What was something that was appealing to you about it? Because we could have stayed in network TV. 
we were both doing fine, living comfortably. Um, why did you decide to do the union? I guess we can kind of discuss with the viewers that may or may not know. Why would somebody in our position who's living a comfortable life decide to, you know, pursue a career as a union makeup artist? So my route's a little bit different than yours in the sense that I went to network TV just to get those days to join the union. You know, like that was exactly. my that was my plan because joining the union, you have to have um, 180 days within three years. So to get those 180 days, you have to be working on set. You have to have a call sheet. And I could have been working on a bunch of student films, but working in network TV abled me or made it able for me to receive a paycheck doing what I love to do and earning those days to join the union. And exactly. So the union for me was something I always wanted to do because I always wanted to work in film and episodic. Always. Just from, I mean, I think I always wanted to work in some capacity with TV, even when I was little, before I knew that makeup is what I wanted to do because I just love film and I always and have. you love Dolly Parton and yeah, it was, a part of, <laughs> it was a part of your DNA. You knew, you know, if you weren't going to be the star, you were going to be somehow involved in creating the star. Right. So for you, what made you want to join the union? Yeah, I was a bit different. So at the time when I was working, I had a booming career as a freelance makeup artist in Washington, D.C., Life was very comfortable. Um, I had lots of flexibility to take vacations. I went to Bali, went to Greece. Brooke, life was amazing. Um, but I knew that there was something more. And network TV, it's great. It's comfortable. But it can be exhausting. And this was a time, this was 2016. You know, politics in D.C. started to get a little rough, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I it, could, it, was, it was emotionally exhausting. And for what it was, I think get in while you can and get what you need out of it and then run. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to decide as an artist what you need from it. And someone that's trying to support a family, someone that has young kids, that's for you. But for someone like me, I wanted more. And I knew that eventually I wanted to make it to California to do featured films or go down to Atlanta or New York and make something that was more into the motion picture world and not necessarily the network world. So the reason that I joined the union, um, the reason that I started CNN and started at the different networks and freelances was to pay my bills. But as I started to surround myself with people like you that were, you know, introducing me and encouraging me about things like the union and doing motion pictures, when you start to surround yourself with people that, you know, have aspirations, you start to have those similar aspirations. And it's because of you that I even decided to pursue, I knew about the union before, of course, but it wasn't at all on my short-term list. And anytime you deal with Brooke, <laughs> things are on an expedited level. And next thing you know, I blink and we were going up to New York City, um, having our interviews to join the union. So for a lot of people and, you know, people like yourself and, and myself, we are going to continue to grow and we're always going to grow. We're always going to push to the next level. We're going to evolve within our career. So I feel like the union for both of us was the next step in our careers. Like it seemed, it made sense, right? Like we've done right. all of these things. So where else can we grow from there? I think it's important that we mention that everybody has a different path and everybody has a different journey and everybody has a different story. And for some people working in network TV and having that guaranteed income weekly and, and staying and growing within that world, that is amazing. And, and like Tiffany stated earlier, what's for you is for you. And then you have people who work at the retail counters that are killing it and people who are working behind the chair that are killing it. So I think it's important to recognize that everybody has their own journey and their own path and in no way, shape or form or any of those paths any better or any worse than another. But I feel like for you, Tiff, this was the next step. Absolutely. And I completely agree. I think my my goal and just even sharing it every day was that everyone just pushed to the next level. And, you know, whether you don't even have to be in the beauty industry, but to live a full, abundant life, just always aiming higher is the goal. Um, and for me, joining the union was the next goal. And I say the union because it's 
we say it back and forth, but I don't, I don't want the viewers or the audience to really misinterpret that me and you were trying to just <laughs> join the union. The goal was in order to do motion pictures and to do TV shows and episodics, you had to join the union. And that was a goal that we set forth. And for me, the next step, if I really wanted to pursue that next level of my career, joining the union um, was the only option. Did your goals change? Did your did you have a different plan? What was next for Tiffany? Well, I think once once I got that card, honestly, it gave me a sense of anxiety because it's like, okay, I worked over three years to get this card. Now what? <laughs> and the union makes it very clear. They are not a hiring hall. Just because you have that card does not mean you're just going to walk on any set. You know that from experience, and me and you are experiencing that now. Every job I've ever gotten in motion pictures and, and TV is because I've known someone who's also been on set and who has referred me. Um, Hollywood and you know motion pictures in general is a very nepotism is very key and who you know and who knows you kind of thing. And just because I had the card, it, I kind of got a little anxiety. I was like, okay, now, like, what's next? Um, and thank God we had someone in our lives by the name of Gozi. Um, so a few of us had knew her already, but she had been um, kind of a vet in the industry in the area that had worked on so many amazing TV shows like House of Cards. And it was through her that we got our first opportunity in episodics working on Netflix House of Cards in Baltimore, Maryland. We did. So all of us, the four of us who got into the union, it was kind of magical. We got into the union together. We went through the process together. And then we actually had our first day on set, union job together, right? So right. Tiffany was talking about Gozi, and I think this is where we really want to talk about those relationships. Tiffany's talked about um, her mentor, Elaine. You've talked about Cedric your friend who owns the extension company, Addie. Uh, this is where building relationships is so important and networking. Yeah, I mean, building relationships is so key in this industry, in any industry. Um, I know people that aren't even in the beauty industry that will tell you this, um, that any line of work that you do, majority of your connections and opportunities will come through your contacts. And it's so important that you understand and everyone understands you cannot do anything alone. You need to find your tribe. And Gozi, <laughs> I mean, she's a strong member of this tribe over here because she's the person that gave us the opportunity um, on House of Cards. Um, I don't really know the story completely well. Maybe you can help me out a little bit. But um, one of our good friends, Rochelle, had already reached out to her years prior. And then once we got to the union, um, I think it was myself that Rochelle then gave me her contact information. I reached out to her using social media. Instagram. There's an Instagram thing again. It reached out to Gozi and was like, hey, my name is Tiffany. Just got into the union. And everything from there was um, kind of history. And she opened the door. She opened up her heart and was super generous with her time. And I think once you join the union, you do become part of a network and it becomes a family. And we, once we had those initials behind our names, you know, we were all sisters at that point, and she was so gracious and willing to kind of connect us with the right people. To me, to that community and how important that community is, because you and I know that in a business like the union, just like in the business of being in a salon and being behind the chair, referrals are everything, right? I think when you say everything, you know, we hear, oh, they're everything. No, they're literally 100% of the way you get your jobs. Like, not like just 80% of everything, but just when I say, when you say everything, like, it's literally everything. Absolutely. Right. So I think it's important for us to talk about that and to remind people you've got to build those connections. Right. Right. And I think someone, you know, I'm more of an extrovert, but someone like you who's an introvert, that can be a challenge. And I've I've cracked up our entire relationship watching you interact with people. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do you do such a good job at something that you're naturally not comfortable with, but you've learned to kind of get past that. And look at you now, your career has soared since. Union together at the same time. And our first union job was together. Our second union job was together. And both of those jobs were from someone giving us a referral 
in order for us to get those jobs. And since then, I've moved down to Atlanta and you've gone over to the West Coast. So what is that experience like for you? I think it's like, again, it's like starting over. I think every time I've reached a new kind of level in my career, once I got to this new level, I'm not going to ever plateau, but it's uncomfortable. And, you know, I'm in a market that I don't really know everyone. Everyone doesn't know me, but every job I've gotten here has been through referrals. So it goes right back to building those key relationships that many of the clients that I still have in New York and in DC are my clients here on the West Coast. So whether that's a private client or someone like yourself sending me someone, or if a network television company needs something here, and then even starting to build my career, I'm in LA. Um, It's no longer about network news here on the West Coast. It's more about celebrity appearances and red carpets and motion pictures and commercials. Some of my biggest clients, I would have never had them if I would have just stayed in the market that I was comfortable in. So to answer your question, girl, I'm scared as hell. (laughs) It's a new market. It's a, I mean, being in DC and being on the East Coast in New York, it was so comfortable. But I have to remember that time where it wasn't comfortable when I got that call from CNN, when I started working, you know, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, those are all scary moments in my life, but they called for growth. Here I am in 2019, and here we are. Growth is happening. And sometimes it doesn't always feel good when you're experiencing it, but I've never, ever taken the safe route in my career. Um, I've always taken risk, and those risks have always led to extraordinary opportunities. And moving to California is just one of many extraordinary, extraordinary opportunities that I've been given. So what I'm hearing is that quote that I love that says, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Girl, yes. And so absolutely. Um, for a lot of you, you may not know this, Tiffany is now bi-coastal. So she's still, she travels between the West Coast and the East Coast, um, working in both both markets, if you will. But since she's been on the West Coast, Tiffany, you've had some amazing, some amazing clients out there and, and you've had some additional opportunities. Why don't you tell us what's been going on since you've been over on the West Coast? Yes, yeah, so like I said, the DC market is completely different from the West Coast. So <laughs> it's not really about, you know, they say it's not what you know, it's who you know. But on the West Coast, it's not who you know, it's about who knows you. Um, so being in the Bay Area is completely different from being in L.A. L.A. is a very celebrity, um, appearance-driven you know, industry, where here in the Bay Area, it's a very tech-heavy industry. Um, and I've been so blessed, Brooke, and you know this, but some of my clients here that I never would have thought I would have had, girl, God is good, um, include Apple, Google, IBM, Microsoft, um, agency represented because a lot of these companies, which goes into another thing is if you don't have that union card, you probably won't be walking onto a movie set. If you aren't agency represented, you probably won't be going to an Apple job. And a lot of the that language in the city and a language in LA is who's your agent. And a lot of the opportunities you simply won't get if you're not represented. And I've been afforded um, an amazing opportunity. And the only reason why I have agency representation is because of somebody that you put me in contact with. And it keeps going back to who you know and building connections and relationships. So one thing Tiffany has not mentioned is this fabulous new opportunity that she just had recently where her career has gone into a little bit of a different avenue. So Tiff, what was the last thing that you, the last new thing in your career that you worked on recently? Well, I decided to become a dancer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, not a dancer, but it is kind of left field, but it's not. You remember earlier when I was talking about um, one of the things that my mentor, Elena George, taught me is as hair and makeup artists, we have to be producers. We have to be behind the scenes. We have to view the monitors. We have to study lighting. She learned that with working for Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey, um, used to travel, or I don't know if she still does, but when Elena worked with her, she would travel with her own lighting guy. So she would have her hair department, makeup department, Elena would be there, and then the lighting guy would be just on the private jet with everybody else. So every interview that Mariah Carey did, her lighting guy was there. So Elena took that information, and through the years, she's even shared it with me, 
understanding the production behind hair and makeup. Your job doesn't just stop once they leave your chair. Um, so I've had the opportunity. I just got done doing principal photography and I just produced my first movie in Hollywood. Amazing. Can you believe that you just said that? No, I don't even believe it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> like, what? Like, like, what? Right. So we've got, we've got makeup artist, hairstylist, and producer Tiffany Lumpkin on the line with us today. I don't know who you're talking to. It ain't me. No, but like, <laughs> my, and you know, moving out to California, it was a decision that I had to make within two weeks. Um, sometimes opportunities flash before our eyes and look, I could have decided to stay in a market in DC that I was comfortable in. I've worked years to be that comfortable. Um, but that's not where growth happens. And I wouldn't be having Apple as a client, Google as a client, IBM, I wouldn't be producing films in Hollywood. It's still so crazy to say these things out loud because this has been my life over the past six months. But if I would have stayed in DC and just stayed in that zone of being comfortable, I just really want to encourage everyone, wherever you are in your life, whatever you do for a living, aim higher, go for your goals. And if you're, you know, if your goals don't scare you, if they're not crazy, then you're not aiming high enough. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for sharing everything with us today that you have and your story, your journey, everything that you're doing now, everything that you've done in the past. But I have one question for you. One last little question. Okay. I know what it's is... not going to be a little question. But... <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've got one rather large question for you. What would you tell 2015 Tiffany today? Wow. Um, so yeah, in 2015, I was a little unsure you know, my career was kind of picking off, but I didn't know if it was the right decision that I made. And little did I know, like, that year was going to be a turning point in my life. It's kind of similar to 2003 when my father passed. And if he brought me through that, when I say he, I mean God, then I would have told myself, you'll be just fine. And your life is aligned. Everything that's supposed to happen will happen. And I just would have told myself that it's okay. You're making the right decisions. You may not have the support from everyone, but just know that follow your heart. Um, it's important for you to be happy. And I would tell her just to just to be passionate about what you do and you're making the right choice. That's what I would tell her is you are making the right choice. Thank you so much, Tiff, for joining us, especially on our first podcast. It was such a special moment to have you with us. If y'all would love to follow Tiffany, which I hope that you do, her Instagram handle is Tiffany Lumpkin. So T-I-F-F-A-N-Y Lumpkin, L-U-M-P-K-I-N. Thank you so much, Tiff. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to The Collective. Please follow us on Instagram at The Collective Pro.